me, you know what I'm saying? Like you were going into it talking about your fantasy football team. I know you got a draft coming up. What you looking at? What, what pick do you have? Like talk to me about your draft coming up. I got saddled with the two pick. I'm not feeling it this year because let me tell you why. In another league, I'm, dra- I'm drafting JT1. So now I feel compelled. And I don't like feeling compelled by like industry standards or whatever to take McCaffrey with the two pick. Like obviously yeah. fully healthy. CMC plays all 17 games, even 16 games. No question. He's the top player in fantasy. I have no debates about that. But right. obviously the guys made a glass. Four different injuries last two years. I've actually had McCaffrey on a team in the last two years, and he has absolutely killed me. Bro, so if you're not taking McCaffrey, who are you taking? See, that's the thing. Like, everybody's out on Henry. And, like, I understand he doesn't uh, catch passes, and the line for the Titans might not be as good, but he's still Derrick Henry. He's still putting up monster numbers. He might not be the same exact back he was two years ago, but until I see the drop-off from being an elite running back, how could I possibly think that this guy is not going to be great yet again touchdowns yards volume and then on the third third pick maybe i i buck the trend and i go something that i've never done in my life and go a receiver at two just you got to hey receivers in the early rounds of the waves bro it's the wave i'm telling you i've been preaching that and i'm not all the way zero rb but i do zero rb if, if all the running backs are gone and everybody goes running back heavy which they typically do in like your normal leagues but i like dhan this year man even though you don't catch a lot even without AJB, that team is still going to go through him. So I ain't too mad at if you take the king. Hey, my last name's Henry, so I'm all about that shit, baby. Let me ask hey. you a question. Let me ask yeah. you a quick question. If I ended up, let's say I went Henry, or uh, not Henry, I went Jefferson too. The problem that I now have is on the swing, I might be looking at Connor or Zeke as my RB1. Or Saquon Barkley. Or that, Saquon. That's too risky for RB1. I like Barkley this <laughs> year. But as an RB one, I don't know. Saquon is that dude, bro. Don't be scared. Don't be. He's the same thing as CMC, just a round later. So shit, give me Saquon, man. Well, shit, you, you this is Justin Henry show. You all know what it is, man. Got my boy Johnny VTV on the, on the cast with me today, and we're gonna be talking about a lot of things. Going through some breaking news that's happening right now in camp. There's some big news, but then also dial in, trying to get you guys some money on these player awards for the NFL season. We got a jam packed show. Stay tuned. You're watching the Justin Henry Show on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Make sure you follow on all social media platforms. Yes, sir. It is August 24th, baby. Jam packed show today. The one of the best, the best guests ever in Justin Henry Show history, baby. The first repeat guest of Justin Henry Show history. Johnny V, you're gonna see him all the time on this damn show because we have a blast. Johnny, my guy, how you doing, Doc? My guy, I always love coming on with you. We've done a lot of stuff in the past. And let me say, who made that intro? You? That is absolute fire, bro. Am I looking at Daddy Yankee putting out all that gasolina? <laughs> Damelo, Damelo. Hey, it's good, bro. Johnny Venezia with NBA Sports Edge. Also going to Roto World now, right? Y'all transitioning over to Roto World, man. Bringing you the facts. One of the best in the betting game. If y'all ain't paying attention and following Johnny, head over to his page, man. Always killing it with the news. And yes, that's your boy on the edits. I'm a G. I got some more news for you, bro. Like, honestly, you're going to be like, you're going to be blown away by some of these edits. You're like, how the hell? You got a producer back there? Nah, that's me, baby. That is me. So we're going to get into it, man. 
First segment's called Breaking News is this just in. We're going to go over some of the top news segments of this morning of the day. Let's get into it. So first up, we got to talk about this. Gus Edwards has landed on the PUP list to start the year, and this is already concerning for Baltimore Ravens fans. J.K. Dobbins is coming back from an injury. We still haven't seen him on the field yet being fully healthy. So Mike Davis, is it Mike Davis time? There's been a little bit of Mike Davis love. What's going on with this Ravens backfield, Johnny? All right, so basically how I see it is I'm reading Mike Davis might be the guy early on while Dobby works his way back from that injury that he had. Gus Edwards also this, the next day of camp last year has yeah. the injury. He's gone for the first four weeks. So maybe it is Mike Davis time early on. This is a guy that you might want to look at in later rounds to bridge that gap for the first month. But I, I think Dobby, J.K. Dobbins, is going to have a really good year. He blew it up as a rookie. Unfortunate injury last year, right before the season starts. Ultimately, the running game will go through Lamar B. Jackson. But I, I think, honestly, Dobbins is in for a big season. And if you're drafting him in the fourth, fifth round, I think this is a guy worth taking because yeah, at the end I, of the day, solid RB2 numbers, I think, is in store for Dobby this year. I'm with you on Dobbins, but I'm not with you on Mike Davis. Don't touch Mike Davis. He's trash. <laughs> Definition of mediocre, bro. You don't want that on your fantasy team. But J.K., bro, I'm all about the J.K. love. Um, to me, you know, he's going to have an amazing second half of the year. Like, you're going to have to wait on him a little bit because it's going to take him a while to get going. But when you get him in that second half and they get rolling in that in that ASC North, bro, it's not. It's going to be the run show. And Lamar, if Lamar's looking the way he's looking right now, it's the run game is going to be opening up tremendously for J.K. Dobbins. So I do love that, man. Hope Gus Edwards is able to come back and help this football team because they're definitely trying to run the ball a lot more this year. We know that. And, and it's tough to see players go, that went down be out for an entire year and a half. So you want to see Gus Edwards get back, man. He was going to be a crucial part of that running attack. Now, moving on to Philly, uh, there's been some news out of camp that A.J. Brown has been that dude, like that dude, best player on the quote-unquote new dream team Eagles, man. A.J.B. coming from the Titans, man, he looks like he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. Arthur Brown has done nothing but show that he's like baby Julio Jones of this generation. He's big, he's fast, he's strong, he's mean. A.J. Brown coming from Tennessee, a run-heavy offense, to Philly, Guess what? They're also a run-heavy offense. I think Jalen Hurts showed a lot of good stuff last year. He definitely needs to improve as a passer. Fantasy-wise, he's probably going to finish as a top-five QB. Wouldn't be surprised if he's even top three if he improves as that passer. Now adding A.J. Brown, I do expect his numbers to drop off a little bit of what we've seen. I don't think we're going to be getting the 1,300-yard guy, 12 touchdowns. But I think realistically, 80-plus catches, 1,200 yards is realistic for him. The Eagles have not had a thousand yard receiver since 2014. Jeremy Macklin. I love what I'm seeing from AJ Brown. You know, there's a lot of concern about Jalen Hurts just being able to get the volume to AJ Brown. But when you got a receiver like AJ Brown, some of that shit doesn't matter. It's like the talent outweighs everything else. You put the ball in AJ Brown's hands. He's a threat to take it to the house every time. Even if it's a bad ball, he can go get it. Like, I don't get the concern with A.J. Brown. I get it for fantasy purposes. If you don't got him, like, top five, that's fine. But if you don't have him in your top ten, you're crazy, man, because A.J. Brown is going to have a monster year, whether it's in a run-heavy run offense or not, or if they're going to try to open things up more. He is that dude. A.J.B. Jay Hen, real quick, put yeah. it to you this, put it to this way. For everybody that's concerned about running in this Philly offense, the Philly offense and the Titans offense in terms of, like, how much they run – is very similar. So 
A.J. Brown still was getting 10-plus targets for consecutive games in his career with the Titans. So there's no reason to think that he can't be that guy in Philly. I think, you know, Nick Sirianni is probably going to dial back the amount of times he runs Jalen Hurts. Hurts is a huge rushing threat, but I think in order to preserve him going forward, he's going to dial back the amount of times he's letting Hurts run. And obviously, if we throw Kareem Hunt into the mix, if Philly ends up trading for him, that probably throws a little Mm. bit of a wrinkle. But I think ultimately, A.J. Brown is going to have a good year. However, there is going to be some volatility in his week-to-week production. So that is what you need to brace yourself. But overall, bottom line, it's going to be a good season for A.J. Big. Now, obviously, Devontae Smith was there last year, and he's there again this year, first-round pick. They're, they're, they were going through him a lot in the offense. Now, do you think that that hurts or helps A.J. Brown? Because obviously having another dynamic threat on the you know on the outside is going to help, but then also that's taking away some targets potentially. You know, it's it's going to create more volatility because Devontae Smith was no slash last year. He Once he found his footing, he, he was really a threat, and he was somebody that you were looking at starting in your lineups if you had him. I think ultimately, though, what it's going to do is because they have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, two deep threats, two guys they could take it to the house at any given time, and they also got Gotti. Gotti's going to rip up the seam at tight end. He's in for a huge year. You can't really double cover anybody, not to mention you have to respect Jalen Hurts' rushing ability. So yeah. in that factor, I just don't see where anybody's going to be able to be double teamed. And if a team is double teaming one guy, maybe A.J. Brown, the other guys are going to be open and they're eventually going to have to dictate their coverages other ways. Love it. Love it. Yeah, you love when guys play with a chip on their shoulder too. And I feel like A.J. Brown was kind of mad that the Titans traded him. So I'm all for A.J. De- AJ Brown redemption story, man. Um, a little bit more of a redemption story too. Uh, another camp, you see the, t- the hat in the back. Brandon Ayuk, baby, 49ers, he's killing it. They're saying, like, this is – he might be the best receiver on the team type thing, man. Are you Brian? Is Brandon Ayuk hype? I talked about it a lot this offseason, how I think he had a really strong second half. He's showing a strong connection with Trey Lance, third-year breakout for receivers like normal. You buying a Brandon Ayuk hype, or are we, are we, do we need to pump the brakes a little bit? No, I'm buying it, and I'll tell you why. Because Ayuk has the skill set. He's very Debo-esque. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He's hard to bring down. Like Debo Samuel, he is a yak daddy. Yards after catch daddy. He always looks to make that move to the house after he catches the rock. The only issue I have maybe early on, and like A.J. Brown, there's going to be some volatility, especially early. Trey Lance, fantasy-wise, might be a stub because of his rushing ability. But we saw last year – But we saw last year that there was a lot of issues with him consistently making good passes as a thrower of the football. But I think ultimately as the season progresses, Trey Lance is going to figure it out. They're going to create ways. Kyle Shanahan is great at scheming players. He does it as well as anybody. So I think Ayuk is in for a good season. But sort of like A.J. Brown, there's going to be some volatility in terms of week-to-week consistency. Yeah, and I think in PPR leagues, you'll probably be okay. In those leagues where it's more touchdown dependent or yardage dependent, you're going to see a little bit more volatility. So uh, I agree with you there, man. I, I'm taking on you, man, especially where he's going right now. He's going outside of the top 30 wide receivers. I think there's nothing yeah. but ceiling there for Ayuk. And if he's playing as well as they're talking about in camp, look out, man, because it might be more dangerous than people think. Like if they involve Debo more in the run game, which I know he didn't really want, but he got paid, so he can't really cry about it now. If they involve him more in the run game, it could be a it could be a crazy season for Ayuk. And then the last one we want to talk about: 
heading over in the NFC West to the Cardinals. Uh, Daryl Williams potentially being cut from this team, which is kind of a shocker because he didn't he didn't play bad last year. It's just I thought I thought for sure he'd be a lock to make the team. Looks like Eno Benjamin might be more relevant than we think. Yeah, Daryl Williams actually last year he had I think he was top five in goal or uh, carries inside the five yard line, which means he's the big back. They want to get him to punch it in. Arizona has been one of the most productive and consistent runners of the football near the goal line the last two seasons with Kenyon Drake and James Conner last year. So I, I think it is a surprise cut, but if he is ultimately released, I think James Conner bolsters his case. I do worry a little bit about Conner. He dealt with that heel injury. He didn't yeah. look explosive. Yeah. A lot of those touchdowns, it's hard to sustain that pace. But if there's one team that can repeat that type of touchdown success, it might be the Cardinals with how often they run it once they're at the goal line. But I think it helps Connor a little bit more just in case, you know, Cliff Kingsbury wants to put the ball in somebody else's hands to score. Yeah. Well, I look at I look at Connor and you know, he's dealt with injuries. It seems like every other year he's out for a significant amount of time with injuries. So that does concern me. And you would think they would keep a bigger back like that just in case something were to happen. But they obviously, I think they're they're surprised with what, you know, Benjamin's bringing to the table. And they really like him as their number two. So uh, I'm not in on James Conner when it comes to fantasy. I, I think last year he had a lot more of his touchdowns, A, before he was hurt when he was kind of playing a secondary role, and B, when Kyler Murray was out. Kyler tends to run it in on the goal line as well. He's good for a good 7 to 10 score. So uh, I'm not in on I think James Conner's value is a little bit inflated. But, I mean, you're not really having to pay the, a super high premium for him anyway. So... Hopefully, Darrell Williams doesn't get cut, but if he does, Eno Benjamin is a little bit of a sleeper. Not too much, though. All right. He's explosive. He's explosive. All right, man. We got to do this. We got to we gotta go over these season awards. I've been waiting to hear this because last year, my man, you came through. You, you had a couple predictions. You talked about the Rams. You talked about Stafford. And for the most part, you were right on track, my man. So I really can't be too mad at that. But we got to get into these player uh, these. Uh, Season awards, and this section is called Straight Up. Straight Up, we talk betting, baby. And so we're going to get into some of these NFL MVP awards, Offensive Player of the Year. I was scrolling down a little early trying to get a little sneak peek. But let's start with MVP, regular season MVP. And Johnny, what are you looking for here most? Are you looking for value or are you looking to just get it right? Uh, I love value. That's why I take tickets on guys that are long shots like Jameis Winston, Kirk Cousins. Those are guys I'm taking tickets on. Absolutely. But I want to get this right. I got Aaron Rodgers a couple of years ago. I had Stafford last year. I think he got hosed a little bit. Some some fluky interceptions that look worse in the box score than they really were. Yeah. I want to get this right. Jayhan, who's fully loaded? <laughs> That's Herbie. Herbert, Justin Herbert. I knew it. Let, let me explain something to you. After I cashed my second straight Super Bowl ticket in February, about a week later, I had a dream. Down by four, the Chargers against the Rams. 21-17, 37 seconds left. Herbie finds Keen Daddy on a crosser over the middle. Chargers win. Chargers win the Super Bowl. Herbert gets Super Bowl MVP after winning regular season MVP. He's going for 5,000-plus yards, 40 touchdowns. In the last two seasons, the only quarterback that has more passing attempts than him is Tom Brady. I think Herbert's in for a monster season. It's going to be so good for them. They're going to have a schedule that they're going against a lot of soft secondaries like Kansas City, like Vegas, 
among others. Herbert, this is his time this year. I just don't like how it's too popular of a thing. But yeah, I, I feel like everybody and their mom is on the Chargers, on Justin Herbert being the best quarterback in the league. Like, to me, it just seems a little too popular. Like, it's a little too popular. The odds are still low, too. It's not like he's even top three right now. He's, he's in the fourth spot, plus 900. So there's good value there. But to me, if I'm going accuracy-wise, accuracy-wise, there's one player that really stands out on that list, and he's not favored. It's Patrick Mahomes. So many people are ready to say, you know what? They lost Tyreek Hill. He can't do it without Tyreek Hill. We've seen him win MVP before. We've seen him do. Patrick Mahomes is different, and if they're if that offense is really like what they what I've been seeing in the preseason, where they're doing a lot more short action uh, throws, to me there's a huge potential there to show for Pat for Patrick Mahomes to show that I don't need Tyreek Hill, that I can do it myself. I can lead the league in touchdowns. I can throw for five thousand yards without an elite receiver. There's plenty of talent on this team. They brought in Sky Mortar to help out. Not only that, Juju, MVS, Miko Harmon's expected to step up. And not to mention, they still got the dog, Travis Kelsey, there. I love the value. And if they can win that division, if they win that division, that's Mahomes' award. Let me, so let me just, in terms of the X's and O's about the award, stats are a huge part of it, but also team success. Obviously, MVP is mostly a quarterback award. But when you're looking at who wins it, it's usually the quarterback who's got good enough numbers that's on the best team. So out of this list, if one of these guys, let's say, is a wild card and the number one seed with the quarterback who's got numbers, that's not going to get it done. So in theory, I think the Chargers are in for a big year. They'd have to win about 12 or 13 games, at least be the number two seed in the AFC, because if the Chargers don't, win that many games or they're not the two seed or the one seed then herbert virtually has no chance same way with patrick mahomes now the yes. issue i have with mahomes like you just said i think tyreek hill losing him is big not just production but the way you have to scheme for the chiefs offense i think the chiefs are in for a regression this year i think we're nearing not exactly the end but it's not the height of this kansas no city way. team as we know it so that's where you have to look at who do you think is going to put up Big numbers on a team that is going to be successful because ultimately that is what this award calls for. That's why Josh Allen, with an easier schedule in a weaker division, who's going to put up numbers, is the favorite. Yeah, Josh Allen's the favorite for a reason. If I was, I mean, obviously, I think everybody would be like, hey, the favorite, that's the easiest bet. But if I'm looking on this list for the person that's not the favorite, and you mentioned the record, I get like, Maybe you don't have the Chiefs winning the division. I still think the Chiefs are the best team in that division, and that offense is going to be super dangerous. I'm never doubting Andy Reid. The same way you're not doubting Brandon Staley and what he's going to be able to do with that offense, I am not doubting Andy Reid and his ability to scheme with a great quarterback and great weapons there on that offense. And then when I look at the Chargers, yes, I think they'll, I think they'll be better. But this team is also going to be relying more on their defense. I'm not buying the same hype that everybody else is with Justin Herbert just taking these numbers to a new level. I think when you're in closer games, when your defense plays better, you're not as reliant on your QB. And Justin, and Justin Herbert was in a lot of shootouts last year. Those games were 30-point games. They were playing 40-point games sometimes that they were playing. So he had to throw for a lot of yards, had to throw for a lot of uh, touchdowns. With that defense, with J.C. Jackson there, Khalil Mack there, and all the guys on that defense already, I'm not buying the fact that Herbert's just going to have to sling the rock this year at a new level. 
Listen, that's a fair point, but he's throwing the ball a lot. Really where the Chargers had to improve was the run defense. And adding Khalil Mack, they added Sebastian Joseph Day, the former Rams run stuffer. That's a very underrated piece. J.C. Jackson's going to miss two to four weeks, so he might miss the first game or two. We'll see. You got Derwin, you got Asante Samuel, Michael Davis. It's yeah. really the linebacking core with, like, Drew Tranquil, Kenneth Murray to see what kind of progression they have. But, you know, even if they improve at a, a solid pace, chances are the Chargers still are going to want to throw the ball and get the ball downfield, use Austin Eckler out of the backfield. I imagine Herbert's going to finish with over 650 pass attempts yet again this season. Hey, Amen at that. So when you look down a little bit further, are there any names on the MVP list that are like, okay, you know, Herbert's my guy as far as like if I really want to pin down a person, I think he's going to win. Is there anybody that's down there? You're like, plus 2,000 odds, plus 5,000 odds is looking real good. Who's your underdog sleeper pick, dark horse candidate to win MVP? So uh, let's put it this way. If I'm looking in the 20 to 1 range, I definitely think it's Lamar Jackson. We're, it's no secret. I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I think a lot of his success comes from his ability. Why not? Why don't you think he's a good quarterback? We could go down that rabbit hole another time. But <laughs> the whole reason is I think a lot of his success is predicated off his ability to run. And defenses have to respect that, which changes the way that they have to play coverage. Now, he's not going to have Hollywood Brown. It's going to be a lot of Mark Andrews, maybe Rashad Bateman. I don't know if the passing yard numbers are going to be where they need to be, but at 20 to 1, if Lamar has a revenge tour and he has a really good season and the Ravens finish with the one or the two seed in the AFC, which I think they're going to have a really good year, that's a great value at this point in time at 20 to 1. There's no way you think that Lamar Jackson, like you can't, the Lamar's not a passer thing is not real. Like I don't understand, I will never understand that to this day, why people think Lamar Jackson is not a good passer when he's clearly shown that he's capable of throwing the football. He's clearly shown that he's he's had the ability to throw touchdowns. Like, what are you looking for? Is this, this advanced analytics? Is this just, what is your metric for saying that Lamar Jackson, outside of the eye test, the eye test, which even he passes that, what's your metric for saying that Lamar's not a good passer? I don't get it. Well, I do use the eye test, but I also use numbers. Now, with the eye test, there's just so many times where I'm like, dude, how does he miss an open receiver that close? He And he misses by a bad margin. But also, like, it, you know, he's not going to have the passing numbers. It's just not how it works. Like, he had a lot of touchdowns in 2019 because yeah. when they get down to, you know, that goal line, they like to use a lot of deception, throw Mark Andrews, whoever's open. But he's not going to have those 4,500-yard passing numbers. He might get 35, 3,800 yards. But in this same regard, if he's getting 3,800 yards and he can get 30 touchdowns passing and add in 1,000 yards and 10 rushing touchdowns, that's going to be a great value for him. On top of the fact that if Baltimore's winning and they're a one or a two seed in the AFC, there's a lot of consideration for this guy at that price. Yeah, That's 20-1. No, I... to one. So if you want me to get into the deeper ones, I'll, I'll – I'll get in there happily. <laughs> no, it's all good. We're going to move on from Lamar Jackson. And I'm going to go to another player who's going to be stepping into a starting role after a rookie season, just like Patrick Mahomes, just like Lamar Jackson. And this is, it's not a homer pick. Like this is, a, it might come off as a homer pick, but Trey Lance to me sitting at a dark horse, 2,500 plus 2,500. If he plays at the level that this team needs him to play at to win a Super Bowl, he'll be in the MVP conversation. Now, do we need to see some more from him as a passer, being consistent, taking care of the football? Is he going to have growing pains? Absolutely. All of that is there. I get it. 
But if it clicks for him sooner than we think, he's had a full offseason. He knows he's a starter. I think Kyle Shanahan is going to scheme this a little better uh, better than people think. I think for plus 2,500 odds, he, it was at plus 5,000 at one point. At plus 2,500, that's still a good number for a guy that's the team's going to have a good record. He's going to have a, a good season. And the team's going to win a lot of games. So I'm all here. I'm here for it. I'm here for the Trey Lance MVP. Dark horse, very dark horse odds. The thing about Trey Lance, he's a high variance guy. You don't know what you're going to get. It could be an absolute disaster this year, or it could be, you know, lightning in a bottle. There's been a lot said that Lance has from the coaches that Lance is still very green and he has a lot of improvements to make, but he could be really good. Now, obviously, like I said, Kyle Shanahan schemes and knows how to put his players in a position to win, almost like unlike any other coach in the NFL. I think what they're going to have to do is keep the playbook simple, a lot of short throws, and occasionally open it up downfield. But Lance is probably going to be called on to run a lot. I, I think he's going to have to have a big passing season along and by big, you know, in the 32, 3,300 yards, 25-plus yeah. touchdowns. But he's going to have to probably have over 1,000 yards rushing and eight yeah. touchdowns. And the Niners are going to have to be good. And i, I got to be honest, I don't see the Niners necessarily making the playoffs this year. I don't think they're going to beat up the Rams in the division, not wood barring injuries or anything like that. I think Lance is a good value, but he's actually gotten cracked, like you said. He was in the 50-1 to 1 range a few months ago. So yeah. it's, it's not a bad look, but I think there's better values on the board right now. I ain't mad at that take yet because he would if you got the number a couple months ago, it would have been a lot better, but – you know, I still think it's good value there. I don't I, – I can still see him winning the MVP. It's just like I said, for me, I, I look at Trey Lance and it's – you're right, there's a floor there, but with a lot of these picks in the plus 2,000 range, there's, there's a floor no matter who you take. So I'm taking the upside, baby. I'm going with Trey Lance. That's my dark horse candidate. And let's move on to AP NFL Offensive Player of the Year. You see the names there, JT, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup down in third, Derrick Henry, Lamar Jackson, and Nick Chubb. You're going to go Offensive Player of the Year, Johnny. Who are you taking a look at? No question. I have no doubt in my mind. I'm going Justin Jefferson all Ooh, the way. Yeah. I think I think he's going to go absolutely nuclear in 2022. 1,800 yards, 120 catches, 10-plus touchdowns. The Vikings are going pass-heavy. Cousins is going to have a big year. He's also a guy who would take an MVP ticket on, like I said, who's actually seen some action the last month. But yeah. Justin Jefferson, man, he's gotten exponentially better the last two seasons, 1,400 yards, 1,600 yards. If you look at this award, you know, receivers have won two of the last three years. It's been guys like Thomas or Cup that have had a lot of catches and a lot of yards, and I think Justin Jefferson's going to have both. He is going to rewrite the record books for receivers in 2022. Man, so you're going triple crown status. Like, the, you're you're basically saying, hey, I think Justin Jefferson's probably going to win triple crown this year. because that's I don't think triple crown. I, I don't think I, – I think he might get uh, out, you know, in receptions. I don't think he's going to lead the league in receptions. Okay. I think it's somebody else. But I think he's going to lead the league in yards and by a comfortable margin. Okay, so he's, he's going to be – so you got him as the best receiver in the game this year. I ain't mad at that, I guess. And that's the expectation that pretty much everybody has. I still like Cooper Cup. A lot in that offense. I know everybody's concerned about Allen Robinson, but shit, if, if Justin Jefferson did that, I don't think it would surprise anybody. My ticket here in the first is going to be Derrick Henry sitting at plus six, uh, plus 1,600. And to me, when I look at Derrick Henry, I think there's a redemption story here. I think there's another 2,000-yard season here. You mentioned it earlier. You alluded to it. Like, I think we're all fading Derrick Henry a little bit too much just because A.J. Brown got traded. 
Like there's, is that not considered in like they lost a huge weapon to me? They brought in Robert Woods. They brought in Traylon Burks. This team isn't going to be too much different than it was last year when they were literally a play away from beating the Cincinnati Bengals. So to me, I'm not just going to discount this whole Tennessee Titans team. I think everybody, including myself, was probably a little harder on them this offseason than we needed to be, a little harder on Tannehill than we needed to be. But I think Derrick Henry comes back and has a monster season. Like, I can see him leading the league in rushing touchdowns. I can see him leading the league in rush yards. And to me, if he if he cracks 2,000 or if he cracks 20 touchdowns, he's probably going to win Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, me and you are simpatico. I love to fight with you. I love to disagree with you. But in this case, like I, I put out an article about a month ago and on NBC Sports Edge, Roto World, and it's titled Plug, plug Yourself. Plug, and it's titled <laughs> Return of the King. I think we're a little too early on the Derrick Henry decline. Jay Hen, yo, you're in the fantasy community on Twitter. Like You see all these people, oh, fade Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry sucks. Derrick Henry's washed, whatever the case is on something that's kind of baseless. Like, okay, his elusiveness numbers went down a little bit, but he's still the king. He still put up 133 tutties on that Monday night game against Buffalo, who was the number one rush defense. Like, what are we missing here? I have Henry as the league leader in yards this year, rushing and rushing touchdowns. I think he's in for a big season. I think we have one more elite year of Derrick Henry before that decline starts happening. I don't think it, listen, if he declines this year, I'm willing to ride until the wheels fall off because I think this yes. year Henry proves that he's still got it. He's going to be high volume. Maybe next year he falls off, but we're not at that bridge. We'll cross it when we get there. Well, I think a lot of people, including myself last year was a different year because it was a high, he had a very high workload the year before it was like 380 or 370 carries or whatever it was huge workload the year before. He's going to be fresh. Like, I get he had the injury. He came back and played in the playoffs. But that man is going to come back fresh and invigorated. Like, I think we see a monster year from Derrick Henry now. He was on pace last year for over 2,000 yards for well over 20 touchdowns. Uh, he had Last year he had 937 yards, 10 touchdowns last year in just eight games. In just eight games. Like, the king is back, baby. The king is back. I'm with it, man. So let's move on to defensive player of the year. And obviously there's some familiar names at the top. Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Aaron Donald, Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, and Joey Bosa. Johnny, who are you taking, man? Uh, I hate to go with a chalk latte here, but let's go with TJ Watt, man. I mean, I think this guy's going to go for the three-peat in the sack crown. And ba- unfortunately, it's hard to judge defensive players. I mean, they try to do other metrics like yeah. pressures, but realistically, I-, I don't know how much pressures are used. For the most part, it sacks. Unless you're like you're a defensive back and you have all these interceptions and like are locking down corners like Stephon Gilmore did or receivers a few years ago. It's usually like a front seven award. I think Watt's gonna challenge for 20 sacks yet again this year. I think he set the record last year. And you know, right now he's the best defensive edge rusher. He's the best edge rusher in football. Aaron Donald's still a threat, but the guy gets triple teamed. He still gets sacks, but I just don't think he's gonna have the raw numbers to still challenge. I think it's going to be TJ Watt yet again. So when I look at this award, I'm looking at one of the Bosa brothers. And of course you'd be like, oh, you're thinking Nick Bosa, which obviously I think that'd be a hell of a pick with the secondary that the Niners have and the defense that the Niners have. He's probably gonna have a lot of sacks, but I'm actually gonna roll with Joey 
on this one. And it's for a lot of the reasons that you talked about why you're excited about the Chargers. I think that defense is going to be stellar. And I think that Joey Bosa is going to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of that, of Khalil Mack coming to take some of that pressure off of him. When he, And when you talk about the sacks being the number, I can see Joey Bosa having a career high in sacks now because they're going to be able to lean on him. He's not going to have those, those same double teams that he's accustomed to having. And like you mentioned, there's been a ton of additions on this defense to me, it's going to open things up for Bosa. I like the pick there, and I feel like it would be, you know, you get kind of really good odds for somebody who could lead the league in sacks. Yeah, listen, that's a great pick, honestly. That's a great point. I alluded to it. They added Khalil Mack, who he might not be the same player he was three, four years ago, but he's still a dog. You still got to respect Khalil Mack. Sebastian Joseph Day, up the middle, he's going to command yeah. a lot of attention in the interior. Joey Bosa, he is a sack artist when he stays healthy. Obviously, it's a big if, it's a big yes. win, but Joey Bosa plays 16 games this year. It's not out of the realm that he has 18 sacks. He's still got it. He's young enough. I personally want to go with Nick Bosa as my dark horse because I think he's a little bit younger. He's a little bit more talented than his brother, but I, I don't want to hate either Bosa, honestly, taking a ticket on them, especially the with his value. The Bosa brothers and the Watt brothers wrecking shit up on defensive lines. All right, let's move to AP NFL Comeback Player of the Year 2022-2023. Derrick Henry, Jameis Winston, Christian McCaffrey, Baker Mayfield, Michael Thomas, Saquon Barkley. I'm not going to lie. That's some damn A-listers on that list, bro. There's a lot of talent on that list outside of maybe one name. But I digress. Who do you like? To win comeback player of the year. So if I'm not mistaken, in the in the last 20 years, no position other than a quarterback has won this award. If I'm not mm, mistaken. I, I think uh, maybe 2001 Garrison Hurst was the last running back to win it. There so, has so, okay. there has been one. There has been one. I can't I'm gonna pull it up while you're while you're talking about it. it. That might be it. It might be since 2001. Garrison Hurst was the only running back to win. But in any case. You know, Derrick Henry, I don't understand how he's on here if he only missed half the season. I, I don't get it. Like, if he leads the league in rushing, how's he not going to, you know, how's he not going to win the award? But, honestly, I really like Jameis Winston. And let me tell you why. Winston, we know, is capable of big stats. We put yeah. that 30 touch, uh, thirty interception from 2019 season behind us. But I think New Orleans is a dark horse to be the NFC's number one seed. I really do. The Saints are going to be good this wow. year. Winston was 14 teams. Number one in the South or number one seed? I think number one seed in the NFC, they are a dark horse. I'm not saying they definitely get it, but I think right. this is a team to look out for. I picked them as the, the NFC South champion. I think Winston's going to have a good season. I think 30 touchdowns, maybe more, is in the realistic possibility. I think 4,000 yards. I think this is a guy that we need to look out for and respect. Plus 500 is obviously a short price, but... Winston was doing really well as a starter last year before he went down. So I think I'm looking at James Wilder to win this award. You know, I talked about this in FanDuel and uh, this a couple months ago. James was sitting at plus 800. And I was like, you know what? That's tremendous value. We talked about the same thing. This his this award has historically been a QB's award. So I just went back and checked. It's the last four years quarterbacks have won. But you're right. The last 20 years, it's been 21 years since a running back has won the award. And we see a couple of running backs, three of them sitting here in the top six. Uh, there's been linebackers and wide receivers, Teddy Bruschi, Steve Smith, defensive end, Greg Ellis. Gronk has won the award. So there's been other positions. But when we look at it, it there's a lot of running backs. You're talking about Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley in the mix. And so I would 
I was going with Jameis because his odds were sitting at plus 800. And like you mentioned, it's come down a lot. Plus 500 to me isn't that good of value for Jameis. I'm looking at Saquon. I really like Saquon. And I think that if he has a monster season, it could be the first running back in over 20 years that we see win this award. It seems like it's setting up for that this year. Unless Jameis wins, I see this being a running back winning the award, whether it's Derrick Henry, McCaffrey, or Saquon Barkley. These guys are all pros. Give me Saquon Barkley sitting there at plus 1,600. If the Giants somehow weasel their way into the playoffs or if they play well with the new coaching staff over there, I can see Saquon Barkley having a hell of a year and winning this award. So luckily for Saquon Barkley, the team wins doesn't matter as much as the st- statistical output. Now, I like Saquon this year from the fact that it's obviously assuming he stays healthy because he hasn't really been his healthy self since his rookie year. But Brian Dayball has already said that he wants to use this guy all over the field as a receiver, as a runner. And I love what Brian Dayball did in Buffalo under for Josh Allen and the rest of the offense. I think he's going to bring that to the Giants. I really do. I think Barkley is going to be one of the main beneficiaries of that. However, like I said, if Jameis Winston and the Saints go to the playoffs and Winston's got, you know, 28 touchdowns, he's got 4,000 yards, it's likely going to be him because, as we just said, this is predominantly a QB award and wins is really what drives this narrative in addition to statistics. But, you know, Saquon's a good value guy right now, and especially if he – starts off really good just to kick off the season that number is going to plummet so it's not a bad ticket to take at the moment yeah i love it man i I think both of those are awesome picks Jameis and saquon i love both of those players man honestly like those are just players i like i enjoy watching so i hope that both of them come back all these players on this list except for baker mayfield would you even would you even think about baker mayfield sitting there at plus 1200 baker mayfield's not as bad as everybody thinks i mean he makes dumb decisions but honestly, he's put in a position in the past that I, I don't feel like he's in a position to succeed necessarily. He's asked to, you know, sometimes be the quarterback that's throwing the ball 40 times, other yeah. times turn around and hand it off 40 times. But I probably wouldn't take him because I don't think he's as good as everybody thought he was coming out. But I also don't think he's as bad. I think Carolina could be solid if, if all their pieces stay healthy. That defense is very good. And if that's the case, Carolina could be in the playoffs, which would give Baker Mayfield a case if he has a decent statistical. Carolina playoff. in the playoffs, you think? No, I don't think, but I'm just saying <laughs> if that happens, then, gotcha. then that would be his path to getting the score. I was about to say, I was like, you know what? I nah. don't think even in Carolina, I don't think they have a shot in hell of making the playoffs. Like, not even they're close not with that setup. Team. Yeah, they're not a bad team, though. Nucleus, their defense is really good. Their defense is very close to being elite. They have a great running back when healthy. They have a good receiving core. You know, it's not terrible. I mean, I think Detroit is probably a better chance this year to make the playoffs than Carolina does, but it's not out of the realm. I just don't think it's going to happen. All right. Fair enough. And when we're talking about wins, one thing that does matter is wins for coaches. We're talking about NFL Coach of the Year. Um, and then we'll get to Offensive Rookie of the Year. And then let's. I want to get into some player numbers now that we talked about this. So let's start off with Coach of the Year. Real quickly, who you guys Coach of the Year? Uh, my primary ticket is Dan Campbell because I think the Lions are going to make the playoffs. We, you know, uh, Matthew Berry and Jay Crafter just did a segment yesterday about in the last five years, the teams that – or the, uh, the coaches that win Coach of the Year, they have improved by an average of 6.6 wins from last season to the next season. 
And I think the Lions are in are are capable of winning eight or nine games and sneaking in the playoffs. If that happens, the terrible franchise that is the Detroit Lions comes in and makes the playoffs under Dan Campbell, a likable guy. They did hard knocks. They got the story. It's a narrative-driven yeah. award. I think Dan Campbell's going to get it if if that's the case, if they make the playoffs. And they have a solid team that could surprise a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot to like about Dan Campbell, man, and and I think he's the perfect coach. The way he set up everything, just been watching that Hard Knocks recently, man. It's the way that he set up that team and the player culture out there, it just uh, feels like they're building something special. So hopefully we get to see that. But I got Brian Dayball, man. I feel like uh, they're a dark horse to win the NFC East, and it's always somebody new. It's always somebody unexpected, and the Eagles and Cowboys don't seem like strong enough teams for me to just lock them in there. So I like the, the number you're getting there, plus 1,400. Give me Brian Dayball, man. I like the, what he's going to bring to that to the table. Dayball, yeah, I think he's going to instill a lot of good things in the Giants. And I actually wrote wrote this up in their win total the other day. The article's not out yet on NBC, but I think Sneak the Giants peak. are going to be. I think the Giants are going to be under their win total this year. But I actually like what I'm seeing in the future. I think next year is really where all this Brian Dayball philosophy is going to pan out. I think they're setting up a lot of success for 2023. I think this might be a year too early for Dable, but I think all his philosophies and all the progressions he's going to bring to the organization won't pay dividends and show themselves this year. It's going to set up for next year. All right. Well, I just see him as the top, at the top, baby. We know that it's Vegas is with me. But I like the numbers, man. I know, I know you know your shit, bro. So I can't, I can't Art, knock listen, you too Arthur much. Arthur Smith was at the top last year, so if that means if that has any indication <laughs> for you, so, yeah, we, listen, we know how that works out. Yeah. Arthur Smith. <laughs> All right, let's move on to offensive rookie of the year, and uh, everybody's darling right now. George Pickett sitting there at the top with Kenny Pickett. One of those two is uh, both of them considered the favorite. Chris Olave, Sky Moore, Brees Hall, Romeo Dubs. Where you at, man? There's a lot of guys right now. And- Obviously, these rookies, all you have to go on right now is preseason and what you're hearing off of camp. But, then, okay, so real quick, this is the type of award where you could go find value further down. Like, I like taking a ticket on Tyler Algier because I think he's going to have a big season for Atlanta. But if I'm looking at a guy towards the top, I think Chris Olave is going to have a monster season. You just heard me say Jameis Winston's in yeah. for a good year. The Saints are in for a good year. Olave – on these videos at training camp, from what I'm seeing, he really looks like Chris Godwin in 2018, Bro. 2019. He's drawing that similar connection with Jameis back then with the route running, the speed, the hands, the ability to get open. And I'm not saying he has that Chris Godwin type of year he had in 2019, but I think we're going to see a lot of good things from Olave. I think he could have 70 catches. I think he could have 800 yards. He looks like a route running technician, and he's going to take advantage of a lot of mismatches in the NFC South, in the league this year with Jameis Winston. I love it. And you said mismatches because he's going to be on third string corners all day long. Like with Jarvis there, with Michael Thomas healthy, like I could see him beating a lot of coverages. They're not going to be able – you wouldn't want to double team him, first of all. Second of all, you're not going to be able to. So I'm which – I actually – that's my pick. It's Chris Olave too. Uh, we do see through the same lens sometimes, Johnny. I love it. And okay. when I do, that's when I know we, we are on the right track. Chris Olave to me, I picked him after the draft. I thought it was just the, the perfect setup for him to come in and have a dynamic rookie year. Now, is he going to be the best rookie out of all these guys career-wise? No. But when I think first-year impact, polished, ready-to-go receiver out of Ohio State, like this is the perfect 
perfect fit. And he, he admired uh, Michael Thomas. That was his idol to get to work in the same room with them. I think it's the perfect setup there. So I think, especially for receivers, because this is a very receiver-heavy award right now with all the guys that are, you know, the, the favorites for the most part outside of, like, yeah. Reese Hall and Kenny Pickett. I think everybody, because of what Odell Beckham did as a rookie ten years, almost 10 years ago, what Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase did, yeah. everybody's looking for that next guy. And right now, I don't know if there's that guy that's going to have that impact. What about George won. Pickens? He's a Hall of Famer, bro. I, yeah, he, he's blown up because he had a couple good uh, highlights in uh, camp in the preseason. But I don't think there's that guy for year one that's going to have that Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase season. But there's nothing wrong with having a solid rookie year that impacts your team in a positive way towards the playoffs. And we both agree, I think that's what Olave brings. Yes. But if you're looking for the, the dark horse, I think Tyler Algier way down the board is somebody to look at. He could be a touchdown machine scoring a lot of tutties, getting some yards with Cordero Patterson, has his snap scale back like he did at the end of last year. So that's where I look at for extreme dark horse value. Tyler Algier is sitting there at plus 7,500. I want nothing to do with that. Now, if you're looking for a dark horse, you know, I could always go to TDP and talk about Niners. I'm not going to do that. But I look at Rashad White. If anything were to happen to Lenny Fournette, playoff Lenny, he steps into a role, baby. I love what he would be able to step into. And then when it comes to receivers, when I'm looking at uh, Dark Horse as well, uh, who was I had it? Uh, I'll, no, it wasn't receiver. Brian, Brian Robinson, all the Antonio Gibson stuff that's going on in Washington, are you buying all the fading, like the, the, punt, the punt, t- punt protection and second team usage for Antonio Gibson? Are you buying that? Or are you thinking like, nah, it's just, that's just some stuff they're doing in camp to get him, uh, to get him ready for the season? I think it's a little bit of both. but I'm, So here's the thing. Because Gibson's going in around the seventh round, I think now that becomes a value in and of itself because Gibson had a down year, right? He was a, he was a big incubator guy for me. I had him as his rookie year. I loved having Gibby. And then, obviously, last year, he goes in the top of the second round. I was like, yo, that value exploded. Yeah. He's, he didn't live up to his ADP by any stretch of the imagination. He was, like, he was still a top, top 10, top 12 running exactly, back. Exactly, but he still finished with a good overall season. He had over 1,000 yards. He had seven touchdowns. He was a big goal line guy, had a lot of carries. And yeah. I think we're going to see something along those lines. But I do think Brian Robinson is going to be an impact guy. I think he's a guy you need to stash later in your drafts because if anything happens to Gibson – Yo, Brian Robinson's a hammer. He's an Alabama slammer. You know how these boys in Bama are built, baby. They are, they're no joke. They're grown men. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, that does it for the straight up section. And man, Johnny, you covered all that shit, bro. And I know you got a lot of articles on a lot of this, man, but I love your work, man. I love what you bring to the table numbers wise and what you're able to provide information wise. So we got to put that to the test. We got to put that to the test. I'm going to pull up these prize picks numbers, baby. And we're going to go over or under on some of these numbers. And this one's called the Zero RB where we talk in fantasy, baby. All right. All right. Here we go. So you talked about Justin Herbert. And as I'm pulling up the numbers, what would you put his his line at, his, his number for passing yards? You want me to create the line? I want you to create it, and then I'm going to tell you what we got. Or are, are you asking how many do I think he's going to get? Create the number. Create the over-under. I mean, listen, I'm telling you, I think he's going to go for 5,200 passing yards this year. So if, if, if it's anything, I'll put it to you this way. If the number's anything 
Okay, let's do that. If it's at 4,700 yards, I'm taking the over 4,700. That's where I play it from. Let's do that. Let's just let's do our own number, and I'll go under or over for your player. So then I'll create right. the number for my player. You go over or under. So Herbert, I'm going to go under that. I think he's closer to that 47 number, 46 number. I think everybody's expecting just for him to continue and, and pat on to what he did the last two years. He had 5,000 yards last year, almost 5,000 the year before that. I'm a little bit, I'm going to temper expectations and put him at 4650. That's where I'm going to put him at. I don't think it's a bad number. I just don't think it's as, as elite as everybody else does. Now, when I go to Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to go with 5100. Way over under. under. Way, Way under. What number you got? I would put him at about 4600, I think. I think 4600's fair. He's going to throw a lot. You know, he's still got Kelsey. I think this could very well could be Kelsey's last year as an elite tight end elite production i think he's going to find a way to get juju sky more mvs he's going to get him enough yards where he's going to be able to tally that up to about 4600 so i think yeah. that's where i'm at okay that's fair that's fair all right so obviously with the quarterbacks with with kelsey i, I agree with that i think it's his last year but with mahomes i just see that i see this as being like a proving year for him i think he wants to prove that um, he don't need Tyreek. I think he's going to prove with – and there's a lot more weapons there than people are giving credit for. Like, they're five, six deep at the receiver position. We've seen uh, uh, Watson even come in there. Justin Watson coming in there doing damage in preseason. So, they're deep at receiver, deep at running back, deep at tight end. I just feel like I trust Andy Reid. Now, we talked about offensive player of the year. You mentioned Justin Jefferson. We talked about the number 1,800 for his yards. I want you to give me the touchdown number because that, to me, will be the big indicator. If you really believe he's going to win Offensive Player of the Year, you got to score a lot of touchdowns, bro. What's the touchdown number you got for Jefferson? I think he scores 12 touchdowns this year. I would If it's That's anything, if it's anything, if it's set at 9.5, 9.5 is where I would take the over from. I think he's in double digits. So as long as it's anything in double digits, I would play it up to, you know, 12 plus touchdowns. I think he's that's where he's going to go. I don't think, you know, he's going to be 15 or 16 just because they have so many weapons, so many guys like Thielen. Thielen's one of, I think, three or four guys in the last four years to score double digit touchdowns. They got Dalvin Cook, an absolute yeah. hammer in the running back position, in the backfield. So I, I think 12 is probably the number. I don't think it's going to be 16 or 17. You know, and that's that's kind of my issue with putting Justin Jefferson so far up on in the awards and in fantasy like just automatically putting him over cooper cup is just i don't know if he gets to those receptions and tds i got him at like nine i see him having one of those andre johnson type years where he's like 1600 yards and like nine eight nine touchdowns just because they have so many options on this vikings team you know when you talk about adam thielen being a red zone guy you talk about dalvin cook coming out the backfield and playing a little bit more receiver that's kind of where i was thinking his numbers would fall in that 1600 i think he'll have a career high in yards it's just the touchdowns. I don't. I'm not sure that he necessarily is getting 10 to 15 touchdowns like you need. So, uh, I would probably go under on your number of 12. But it's not. I don't think it's a bad number. I think 12 would be probably. That's probably a damn near Vegas number right there. Mm. When I go Derrick Henry, I got him at. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna just make it hard. 2,000. I'm gonna go 2,000 yards with Derrick Henry and 16 touchdowns. 2,000 yards, 16 touchdowns with Derrick Henry, which I think last year he would have smashed that pace. I think, again, as long as he's healthy, I think we see an incredible year from Derrick Henry. You're going over or under those numbers? I'm going under I'm going under yards because I think 2,000 is a lot. It's like, listen, he was on yeah. pace for a second straight 2,000 yards. It's just hard to sustain. 
even with the extra game, I think his elusiveness isn't what it was a few years ago, but the volume, and he's still good enough because he's a freak of nature. I think realistically 1,600 yards is is what I think is is reasonable for Derek Henry. He's doable. And I think 15, 16 touchdowns, I probably – I'll give you the even right at 16 touchdowns. So if you gave me 15 and a half, I'll take the over because I think 16 is definitely uh, is definitely doable. I think his touchdown number on a lot of these places is like 13, and then the yardage is like 1,400 to 1,350 for most of these sites. I'd probably, so go, I think, I'd probably go over on both. Yeah, I, that's where I'm at too. Um, and then when it comes to Jameis Winston, let's just go ahead because Barkley's numbers are going to be – I think talking Barkley's numbers will be a little bit different because he's going to be so heavy involved in the, the receiving game and the rushing game. His touchdowns will probably be some rushing and passing. But with Jameis, his number is sitting at 3,700 yards right now. Johnny – Tell me, are you smashing that? Like, is that is that a smash? Or are you like, oh, it's actually closer than I, than I than me personally? I think it's a smash, baby. Jay Hen, Jay Hen, that is an absolute smash, baby. Take a hammer <laughs> and smash, smash, smash. Jameis Winston proved he could pass for over fifty one hundred yards. He did it in twenty nineteen, and I think even though he doesn't have Evans, he doesn't have Godwin. He's got a lot of weapons. Kamara might not actually be suspended until next year. So I think he's going to be able to pass in that 4,400-yard range this year. Definitely break 4,000. So I'm smashing all the way. So because we both think that, I think it would be good to kind of play devil's advocate. What would be a reason that people, outside of the injury, what would be a reason that he didn't throw for 4,000 yards? Because he's always been a volume passer. He's always been very effective. Even last season, we, th- we saw him on pace. He was having really good season until he got hurt in week seven or eight, whatever it was. Why would we fade that number 3,700? Because it seems way too low for a guy who's not, he's not a runner. He's a passer. Well, like you said, that injury is probably causing a lot of concern with that, that torn ACL that he had, but also, you know, he sustained a foot injury. I think realistically, though, there's a couple things. Sean Payton's not there. And even if they're keeping the same offense in place, you got to have your finger on the pulse with a guy like that. Sean Payton is a play caller unlike any other that we've seen in the last 20 years, maybe the history of the league. Also, I think maybe the passing volume could potentially not be there. They might be trying to run Kamara 15 to 18 times a game. They got Mark Ingram back. Maybe they throw in Taysom Hill on a couple carries. So they might be trying to go a little bit more run heavy and sprinkle in the pass game as a compliment. That's one thing that I could see. But I think ultimately they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. They're going to, they're playing a lot of tough opponents. And I think it's going to eventually happen that uh, Winston smashes that number. Yeah, you made a hell of a point because last year, Alvin Kamara, for the first time in his career, was seeing about 20 carries a game. And that's the very first time in his career. He's always been a 15-carry guy, and that number increased a lot last season. And I think there is something to be said about protecting Jameis Winston and his repaired knee. Like, you want to make sure that he's not getting re-injured. Kind of what we saw with Dak. Uh, the team started to lean a little bit more on the run game. You didn't have him out there throwing 50 times a game because you want to, it takes a while to become fully healthy. And we know that Jameis was still wearing a brace into midsummer. So at the end of the day, sometimes you got to protect your QB. I ain't mad at that, at that take, man. But that does it for today, bro. Hell of a show. I feel like we got to cover a lot of these awards, man. Was there any parting thoughts you had before we get off? Yeah, actually there was. Because remember we were going back and forth and I said, save it for the show. We were talking about Cooper Cup. And yes, we had that Cooper Cup take, and I, I said let's save it for the show. And I didn't want to get out of here without at least touching on it. So, you know what? Open it up. Open up the floor. Let the people know what exactly was going on between 
Yeah, so we were talking about first overall pick, and we are talking about Cooper Cup and potentially winning, uh, repeating, right? So I was saying, hey, I would take Cooper Cup in, in, standard, in PPR leagues first overall. A lot of people were taking running backs, and I get it. Running backs are probably the premier position, but when you have a still the wide receiver one he was 100 points better than justin jefferson last season there's less inherent risk when it comes to wide receivers than there is with running backs and we saw last year a lot of top backs were injured or missed significant parts of the year so to me i think when you can get a wide receiver in that offense with mcveigh even if it's tinkered just a little bit now uh uh but for me, and Allen Robinson's there, I think that opens things up. Last year, we saw Robert Woods and OBJ both average damn near seven targets a game, which is probably going to be Allen Robinson's number. And we saw the numbers that Cooper Cup put up. To me, even if there's a little bit of a, of a drop-off, I don't expect a huge drop-off with Cup. All right, so I, I didn't want to interrupt you because you were on a roll. Uh, I think it was more so about Cup kind of repeating last year and like if he's what kind of receiver he is. So I understand everything oh, you yeah. said. Here's the issue I have with Cup. Cup is, I think he's a very good receiver. You're talking about the tweet, yeah. Yes, he's a very, I sent out a tweet about Cooper Cup, and I'll rehash it basically. I said he's a very good receiver. He's not elite. He does things very good. He's a great route runner, knows how to get open. He's great at catching the football. The problem I have is this. You could have very well made a case since both Robert Woods and Cup got on the Rams that Robert Woods is the better receiver. They're pretty much the same guy before last season. Robert Woods actually had 86, 90, and 90 in catches. He's over 1,000 yards, I think 11 to 1,200 yards. And they do the same thing. Now, I'm saying this because I don't think Robert Woods is anything close to being an elite receiver, one of the best in the game. My point is Cooper Cup benefited greatly because of Matthew Stafford, who, by the way, a lot of people were dismissing and thinking he was so overrated. And Jay Hen, you know as well as anybody, I've been on Big Daddy Stafford the whole way and talked about what kind of season he was going to have. So my point is this. Because he's got such a great connection with Matthew Stafford, that was the big reason that led to Cup having arguably, if not the best season as a receiver ever has had in the NFL. Now, I think he's going to have another really good year because the offense of Sean McVay, the volume he gets with the quarterback he has. But my whole point was I don't think he's an elite receiver. Before 2021, nobody ever even thought Cooper Cup was probably a top 15, top 20 receiver. He never had 100 catches in the season. He never had 1,200 yards in the season before Stafford shows up. So that's my point, and I don't think you can be elite off having one season like that. If he does it again this year, okay, fine. Like, I'll know in the back of my head it's because of the system, the quarterback, and the volume. But production-wise, you know, you can't argue with it. But that was my point, my guiding principle. I actually fought a lot of people over this the last, like, week or so. <laughs> but that, but that, that's what I had to get off my chest. I think Cooper Cup does a lot of things very good. But I just think because of the production he had similar to Woods over the last, you know, five years before last year, I think there was a case that Cooper Cup is being way overblown just because he had one huge year and an offense that was basically tailored around him and Matthew Stafford. I don't know, man. There's only there's only been how many Triple Crown winners in the history, whether it's Matthew Stafford doing it or not. There's been a lot of other quarter. There's been a lot of other receivers that played in McVay's system. There's been a lot of other wide receivers that have played with Matthew Stafford. None of them got a triple crown. 
That's all I gotta say. As much as that, you wanna, as, Listen, as much as you fair, wanna say it, there's none that got the triple crown. So I, I gotta just, I'm just showing respect to the guy and his craft. Maybe he's not an elite athleticism and talent wise, but elite production on the field, which is what matters in football. Which is one year elite. though. Which is one year. He's and had, he's had two decent years. Yeah, but his his big year before this, I think, was like 94 catches, like. 1160 which is yeah maybe 10 touchdowns which is very good i'm not i'm not dismissing it but that's not you know that's not elite that's yeah. very good that's high end like what he did last year was like all-time elite now real quick though here's the problem i have with the receiver who's the best discussion and we deal with this all the time it's always changing it's always recency bias but remember from like 2014 to like 2020 there was always two names that you talked about it was always Julio and A.B. We don't really have that anymore. I mean, you could throw Devontae Adams in there, but like every year it always changes based off what you did last year. It's so recency bias based. That's my that's my point. That's what like, I, you know, I get annoyed about having to listen to people talk about who's